to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal with Conan Neutron and Josh Davis. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rocking about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though... If you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree to shop in NATO. Confidence of a hero or a fool, I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. It's the real one that you still devote my life to. That's okay. It means something. You know, that's my take on it. What's yours? Protonic That's like a science thing, right? Yes, yes, it's a science thing. It's a science place. Oh, welcome, welcome, good friends, to the one, the only, home of the... Protonic reversal. Just me, Conan, tonight. No Josh. Uh, Josh is re- mixing... He's uh, doing, doing band stuff. So, you know, it's, a, it's like a protonic reversal classic, really. Uh, glad to have you. We're gonna have a, we're gonna have a good show. We're talking to Mr. J.D. Pincus, yeah! uh, the Butthole Surfers, Melvins, Honky, uh, and of course he has also put out his own record called "Keep on the Grass." <laughs> Keep on the Grass. You understand? That's a largely uh, him and a banjo kind of wild stuff so we'll be talking to him shortly I'm looking forward to that it's going to be a good time thanks for tuning in as always there's been a lot of stuff that's been going on i've been up down all around staying busy so to speak um uh, let's see Any, anything anything really big to report yeah probably not uh but we are here and we're going to play some tunes first, and then we'll be uh, talking to Pekus in about uh, 10 minutes or so. So, let's start things off. Let's kick things off, if you will. <sighs> With a song from the Pinkus Abortion Technician record by the Melvins, which is actually a butthole surfer song. This is Graveyard. And, of course, Pinkus Abortion Technician, that is a reference to Locust Abortion Technician, the butthole surfer's record fantastic but old surface record and uh, it's a bit of an homage so here we go uh, this is graveyard
20 pound jockey off of keep on the grass by mr jd pinkus the, the the new record now available at your finest internets and uh worldwide and on the phone right now we have mr jeff pinkus how you doing sir i'm doing good thank you how you doing fantastic crowd going wild over here uh we- <laughs> right on man we, we, we always love it I'm, it's uh, it's just just me today uh my co-host josh is off mixing one of his records but as you pointed out when i put you in i talk enough for the both of us so it all works out just fine <laughs> yeah i was about two minutes away from curing cancer and then you called and i forgot where i was at but uh, i'm kind of multitasking anyways I'll, it'll hit me again later yeah, exactly. You'll you'll remember it. Maybe next yeah. time we'll get the, we'll get the notebook together. You know. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. It's usually when I'm touching myself. <laughs> so uh, I was just playing something off your brand new record. This is a. It's called Keep on the Grass. Which, That's uh, right. <laughs> which I, I saw what you did there. It's real subtle, but I saw yeah, what you yeah, did there. Yeah. Uh, and that came out uh, pretty recently, right? And that was like this summer that that, that finally came out. When did you start working on that one? Uh, well, I started working on it with my buddy and uh, banjo guru, Danny Barnes, and uh, he knew I played banjo and, and heard some songs and thought I should do a whole uh, cassette for his cassette label. And uh, so I was like, uh, I've kind of always wanted to do a whole recording of just my banjo stuff. And so uh, I said, yeah, sure. So I flew him down from uh, from uh, where he lives, which is uh uh on one of the islands off of washington state now oh no kidding okay with his wife yeah and so i uh, brought him down he's from austin area and uh so he came out and uh, we recorded it and uh it came out on his uh limited edition on his cassette stuff and then i waited until those sold out on Minter bucket records and uh and then i put it out on uh my label with my friend uh, and, and, and musician partner uh uh, Stephen Haas, we have a label called Heavy Feather Records, and so we put out Pure Luck on it first, and now putting this ad on it, and uh, so we got physical copies, and uh, sell enough CDs, hopefully we'll get some vinyl, because that's really, it really should come out, uh, although I'm although I'm a big fan of cassettes because you pretty much have to listen to it and order it, you know, that it was that it was made in. The yeah, cassette order was actually right. different than the CD order. The CD order I changed from Danny wanted me to pick one for the CD and he picked one for the cassette. And it was interesting to see which way he did it. But you have to for side A and B. You have to make them even. Oh, so you're saying the sequencing is actually different then. Uh, it's, it's actually yes. like a different listening. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Which I like about the you know the modes of vinyl and and uh, other than I'm a I'm a sound geek and in order yeah you know, I went to school for it and uh, worked with the uh, audio engineering society when I was out there and really got into that stuff. So I know how how much you know people. Yeah, you know, I know some people I work with that say CD sounds as good as. Uh, cassette tape or uh, you know vinyl, but uh, if you do the actual scientific study of it, there are some benefits to those things. The problem is that everybody now just wants to buy a song; they don't want to buy a whole right. album. Right. The, the idea of the 
the album as a listening experience has kind of become more of an outmoded concept for a lot of folks, and uh, which which I yeah. feel is too bad. I still listen to records, frankly. Well, there's a lot of you know there was a lot of filler that that people put out that might have ruined it. I don't know. You know, there's a lot of a lot of things that could have come in that that ruined the uh, the 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 actual wax, but uh, most mostly the fact they could do it cheaper on a uh, on a piece of uh, material that costs way less to uh, to reproduce even though they knew it was not a permanent mode of recording it would deteriorate and go away right right uh, but they, they actually charged uh, butthole surfers when we when they switched over to that they said it was going to cost them more to do CDs than it was to do vinyl and cassettes so that was that was pretty interesting even wow really considering yeah Where the- they charged more for it. Where are they getting those made? I got a guy I can do a lot cheaper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was capital. I, I, I don't think uh, it, yeah, enough it said. wasn't really in the game back then. Right, right. <laughs> so, Just ripped the band off. Yeah, that's huh, yeah. That, that sounds hinky as hell, frankly. But the uh, yeah. <laughs> did you ever think uh, that the cassettes would kind of make a bit of a comeback as far as sort of like the, the more proletariat choice of uh of releasing music. yeah yeah definitely because because of the sound quality aspect of it uh because it's cheaper uh and you can make more of them than you can with vinyl and uh you know uh like i said i know the the math of it all and kiss and cassettes are actually really good if you take care of them and they're cheap to get manufactured again it forces the listener most of the time to listen to the whole recording uh, yeah, unless you got one of those, they have those those, those fancy uh, the, ones, the, the ones you could skip past. But those were like yeah, a high end item those, way back. That that was, and that was, you know, that now that takes too long for most people. Right, exactly. Yeah. We live in an instant gratification world. Ain't nobody looking for that right now. Yeah, we like quantum <laughs> quantum physics in our stuff. Nonlinear, man. Not nonlinear. Causality itself is an outmoded concept. So you know that's where we're at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So speaking of causality being an outmoded concept, I opened up that set of music with uh, something off of uh, the most recent Melvin's record here, the 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 one pinkest abortion technician, which I think yeah, is a hilarious name. And 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 the, you close the record with Graveyard by Butthole Surfers, and get getting into it there, like you've you, so you did hold it in with them. You you, you got a, a couple some tunes on the bases loaded stuff. Uh, you've been in the Melvin's world. Uh, for past few years now, uh, how how did yeah. that all come to pass? Uh, Jared was having a baby, and they needed someone for the thirtieth year anniversary, and uh, that person happened to be me. And uh, then it became a three piece version, and then uh, Stephen was playing with him, and uh, they recorded, and then uh, we decided to record some of the the songs that we did on the road like graveyard because buzz buzz wanted to do some of these these tracks yeah it's a killer and, version uh, that's so, it's, it's so yeah it's awesome. he, he wanted to do the uh, faster version in a i wanted to use our cg tuning and do a mixture of the slow version and the fast version oh and, uh, interesting because so, i was trying to think of why so it was different in. that so that that makes that makes sense okay I, I yeah i wanted to do there's a slow down version on the uh on original locust there's two versions of the song and one uh, i tuned the uh the bass uh, for that style to all all strings tuned to D. 
Yeah, that's right. And Which is funny because so, I own that on cassette, bringing it all back home. So well, that's there you my, go, man. <laughs> I don't think I've ever owned it in any other format other than digital. I hope we get a, pay, a big payoff from the cassette industry somewhere down <laughs> yes, here. Somewhere down the line. So, so, yeah. you, so you had like a graveyard, and uh, you know you, there was a move in Florida uh, as well, yeah. like uh, some stuff that kind of entered the live set, uh, and then on hold it in. Uh, Paul Leary w- was involved in that as well, not, not in the live act, but for for making the record, and that kind of was, was how that whole th- that whole piece of the, of the Melvin Circus kind of kind of kicked off with you guys, right? Yeah, yeah, it was it was uh, it was good. Uh, you know, uh, I heard Buzz saying uh, plenty of things about what he thought about Paul's guitar playing. And uh, despite that, I asked him if he wanted me to. Uh, no I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, asked him, I asked him if he wanted me to uh, talk to Paul about laying some tracks down, and uh, he said, "Yeah, sure." And me and Paul talked quite a bit, and uh, so Paul was into doing it. He uh, had a few songs that he had written himself uh, that uh, that we came in and tracked on top of, and uh, and then he mixed those, and they sound a little bit different. Yeah, so one's kind of there's that trippy kind of ELO sounding one almost. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's one yeah, I was like, you, I was like, oh man, you can make me wait. Yeah, yeah. that was. I think that that's kind of funny you mentioned that one because I think uh, Buzz thought he was going to pop Paul out, and and he wanted Paul to sing on this uh, song called Brass. Uh, is it called Brass Knuckles? Something like that. Uh, brass something on there, but. Uh, uh, oh, Brass Cupcake. Brass that's Cupcake. It. That's the one that's. Uh, I I told Dale that. And Paul. Yeah, for me, Paul it kind of sounds like the Cars a little bit, like in, in a good yeah. way though. Yeah, yeah, and so well, the Paul song sounds like the the Cars mixed with Journey to me, but the other one, Brass Cupcake. Uh, I think Buzz thought he was going to write the poppiest song of his life and do that, and then Paul had already written "You Can Make Me Wait," <laughs> and so I think he outpopped Buzz when Buzz was trying to outpop Paul. But I don't think it was a conscious competition, but it was uh, just it, how it, it worked, worked out. out nicely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> we actually had to uh, to ask Paul to maybe put more of his actual vocals in there instead of that vocoder. And uh, he was he was a little uh, you know he was he was slow to do so, but he did it. But uh, the rest of the stuff he just did uh, top tracks on the rest. Uh, he uh, <clears throat> just uh, kind of played with it after we had already recorded a lot of that. But uh, it was uh, it was a great great experience. We did it in a few different places and uh, a lot of different feels on it. You know, uh, enough enough different feels to piss uh, old school Melvin's fans off. Right, which which for certain for certain old school Melvin's fan, it's it, it's not really that difficult, frankly. All you have to do is anything no, that's no, not the no, one no, thing. No, no. <laughs> yeah, it's not the one song they liked from the first time they heard it. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, if you don't like one one album, just listen to one of the other thirty two. Uh, you know, probably do you find something in there you like, but you know, Melvin's don't have to do a single show again ever. Yeah, and they could, they could, they know that never went out of they, songs. Yeah, yeah, and they could just, yeah, they they could just, yeah, uh, they've got so many songs, uh, that they don't, uh, you know, they'll never stop doing what they do and they do it because they love to do it. Well, uh, yeah, what I like about it as a fan is that there was a definite kind of interesting palpable excitement and sort of weird energy to uh you know to yourself and and paul being involved in that they kind of you know it's almost it's almost noticeable when you kind of get into the rhythm of of listening to what uh, buzz and dale are throwing down that you can kind of like see when you know oh yeah let's try this all right let's try that let's try this and i feel like there were some kind of cool reaches on there that 
uh, either they haven't done in a while. And again, you you mentioned Brass Cupcake, which is definitely one of the poppiest Melvin songs ever, for sure. But and what I didn't realize is that um, <clears throat> at first is that you know some of those songs are coming from you, like Bride of Frankenstein. That's uh, that's there's actually a version of that on Keep on the Grass. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It sure is. Yeah, very well, different. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I write. I write. Uh, that was really a very unlyric kind of song for me because it was a little, a little more abstract than a lot of the stuff I do, except for like Twenty Pound Jockey. But uh, but Buzz is usually way more abstract uh, lyrically mm-hmm. uh, than uh, you know. From what I found, we, you know, he he uses his words as uh, instruments and to put. Uh, you know, and they're, they're, I've, I sing along on some of them, and uh, you know, it's, he's he's just like, well, just make up whatever you think it sounds like. But right. I make him, <laughs> make it make him, sounds uh, cool first. <laughs> I, I make him write it down every now and then. Re- reluctantly, he does, and so yeah, there's a lot of things that you would never pick up on, and then I get some backstory on what it is. My stuff's usually a lot more in your face. Uh, you know, I love love singer songwriter kind of stuff as well, which is not really well. I mean, I can't say that they love they love so much so much music, but I'm uh, definitely into my John Prine and my Chris Christopherson's Prine, and Steve yeah, Young, and you know all that stuff. I, I love I love good songwriters. I, I, it's funny you mentioned that because when I was listening, I was listening to the record earlier, earlier today, and the two things I kind of got is like kind of mining the same sort of uh, some of the kind of mining the same area that Mark Lanigan does, and some of those darker uh, solo records. But John, I was actually thinking about John Prine. Uh, and, uh, that's weird. Yeah, I didn't really think it was going to offend you or whatever. I've never really listened to Mark Lanigan. Some of my friends have worked with him and stuff. Uh, but yeah, I guess it's kind of what I have heard is, and I don't really know a particular song um, bad that way, but uh, but it did sound kind of dark and stuff. Yeah, it's uh, dark, very vibey yeah. kind of, uh, yeah. you know, like moody. it's very yeah. moody for sure. And yeah, and yeah. I've only really started to listen to that dude like past couple of years, but I've kind of been catching up and and it, it occupies a certain type of like a uh, songwriter that I, yeah, I certainly yeah, tend yeah. to gravitate towards. Uh, yeah, well, it's nice that, you know, you don't have to have just one style of song you like, you know, it's just different moods call for different things and uh, you know, when I'm in a mood to listen to songwriters and stuff, I, you know, it might be Mickey Newberry, uh, you know, uh, 33rd of August or whatever, you know, I mean, yeah, there's yeah. so many good good people there that can twist my mind with their lyrics and take me there and paint that picture that I need to see. And, you know, I'd say with the Melvins, it's more uh, like uh, it, it paints a picture with the music and what's, right. what certain random imagery comes out sometimes if you're not familiar with what what's going on yeah it's almost uh, coming from that sort of uh kind of beef art school to a certain degree of, ju- of just you know having fun with having fun with the language and putting oblique things together uh, yeah well, i think steve miller had that with uh pompatus you know he uh you know he you know uh i, I guess it was I think it was him that he brought up that it was Paul McCartney told him that it was great to make up words. Just you know, just if they fit the song, it doesn't have to have a meaning. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, look at Iggy stuff. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, Iggy. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's so weird. I love songwriters, but there's some like I, I like songs. I'm not really interested in what the guy's singing. I pay no attention to it at all. But it takes certain people that I just can't. I don't even listen to the music barely. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's interesting, but again, it's, I, I think everybody's got that. All of us have many me's inside me, or inside ourselves. Uh, you know, uh, we, you know, we, uh, sometimes you're in the mood for 
kick them back, and sometimes you just want to crank something up really loud and piss some neighbors off, you know? <laughs> right. It's it's you, we can contain multitudes. It's a it's it's an it's yeah. an okay thing. So what what kind of stuff usually kind of kind of hooks you as a listener then? Like when you're when you're getting something where you're just like, oh wow, what's that? Like what's what what are the kind of things that that get your uh, attention? Last shit that I was yeah I'm, uh, I I don't I don't because of my uh, habit with mushrooms and weed. Uh, they don't let me drive too much. So because I don't drive too much in this band right here, uh, because, because I don't drive so much in this band, I have to do all my listening on headphones Gotcha. and usually as competing with someone else blasting something I might not actually want to listen to. But if I can get my choice to listen to stuff when I do, it's, uh, lately I've been getting into uh chicha music uh the uh south american uh latin american mixed with the uh african beat oh cool oh yeah. yeah 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 of course the the old the old school stuff uh it was kind of a mixture of garage bands surf music uh african cumbia and um and then the latino sound uh you know the guitar being the uh, beach uh guitar uh and garage band kind of uh vibe going where it was like you know a guy and, and 12 of his relatives and two of their wives and two other random chicks and uh you know they get together and do these badass you know you know party songs and it's it's uh very much a you know I, I, that's what i'm into right now listening to uh but i go on and off from that to uh i like the uh uh, uh, New Birth Brass Band and and uh, Soul Rebels down in New Orleans and some of that different kind of uh, jazz kind of um, stuff. I don't know. I'm, I'm into big happy stuff now. I don't really listen to. Uh, I listen to uh, Ola Bell Reed for old stuff, and she's like Mountain Woman uh, kind of banjo stuff. And uh, yeah, uh, not not too much that's new out there. I like this band called Mount Car- Carmel a lot. I, was, I never know whether to call him Mount Caramel or Mount Carmel. Oh, yeah, that whole Carmel Caramel thing. Yeah, Caramel yeah, Caramel Mount, thing. <laughs> Mount, but it's Mount Carmel. It's in Ohio. Uh, but those guys are really uh, – they're, they're, they're done touring for now. They just don't they're, – there's two brothers, and they like playing music for each other. I'm trying to do some songs with uh, with one of the guys, Matt, from that band. But, uh, but yeah, the recordings that they put out are, are great. The timeless kind of stuff. Could have been, could have been done, you know, like sixty eight, seventy two. Oh sure, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Where it's still, it's still going to sound vital now. It's still, gonna, you know, it's not going to sound like of an era necessarily. <laughs> now we're back with uh, Mr. J D Pincus. All right, you better. Ah, all right. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like you just hung up on me. The the man was trying to shut us down, is what it seems like to me. But uh, that's a story oh, yeah, I'm going to stick yeah. with. We're too dangerous talking about uh talking about this music stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it was time to change topics. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's interesting to me that uh, we got a you know, obviously Buzz and and they were coming at it from the position of being fans uh, and integrating this butthole surface material in. Like, how has that been? Because it's you know, what you were talking about some songs that. You know, maybe not not a minute, but those songs you live with for like a really long time. Like hearing them bring what they bring to it and what they hear out of it. Has it been? Has it uh, kind of recontextualized any of it for you, or is it just sort of like slipping on a glove? 
Well, well, I missed the first part of what you said, but it's about Buzz and Dale uh, bringing. Are you talking about their old songs that they're yeah. bringing back? Yeah, Play, playing those. Yeah. Old, yeah, those older tunes. Well, as uh, as they as they uh, mentioned, uh, especially Buzz, is he hasn't listened to his records in many years, so he's not really concerned about what it did sound like. Uh, but you know, just have fun with it and make it uh, sound right. I I like to. Uh, uh, because I did listen to it, uh, you know, when I was learning the stuff, I, I have a hard time breaking away from traditional because I want to uh, present their songs the way that, that they were that I heard them. But he does want us to step out of the box. Steven's really good at that. He can he can he can uh, throw some stuff in and uh, separate himself real easy uh, from that stuff, which I think is great. And that's probably why we work good together because I can uh, I can hold down the the fort and uh, a lot of that stuff and he can go off and and he does find a lot of really cool interesting stuff that he's been doing which is cool because you guys are both playing bass in the in this in this most recent lineup which is a trip and a half because you know there's been two drummers they they did the tour like with the two guitar players but you don't often see bands with the with, with two bass players going especially fellas that you know both come from a very rock and roll place but have kind of a different way of getting to there Oh, yeah. Well, we played with each other way back in the day, actually. But, yeah, definitely a different way of getting there. And uh, I think I think to me, uh, other than us being like the village people of metal, uh, when you watch us on stage, <laughs> that I think I think Buzz is, uh, Buzz is uh, you know, like he's got, like we were talking about, different sides. Uh, I don't have as much of the, uh, I didn't really listen. I like listened to radio pop stuff when I was growing up and I saw Cheap Trick Live and I saw Blondie and all that stuff. But, but, uh, I don't really listen to it. And I don't really like, you know, I don't, I don't like learn the songs and do that stuff. I'm much more into, uh, you know, you know, coming up with different stuff or newer stuff or stuff based off of stuff I listen to. And they've got someone that, that they know they can bounce covers off of and someone that can do a lot poppier style playing than I can uh, when it comes to some of the you know more bouncier songs. And uh, I've got that creepy old man vibe, which uh, is the other <laughs> side of the other side of the band. And, uh, you know, that's, I guess, where you know, I come in. So it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's good to have eternally youthful Steven on the other side. We're right, all me, right. Dale, and, and Stephen are like the same age, but it doesn't look like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm cleaning. I'm cleaning my belt off right now that I wore on stage uh, for the last tour, and uh, I should have done this to my face a long time ago. <laughs> but, uh, my guitar strap's looking really good now. I should, <laughs> maybe I should try this stuff on my face. Did you do the thing where like, oh, it's that color? Clean and renew. <laughs> yeah, clean and renew, protect and preserve. Because like me, the strap was put away wet for a couple of months. Mm. Actually, only for about six weeks. Just but, like a horse. Uh, but it was enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't sweat that much because I, don't, you know, I try not to drink water because it makes me pee and that's disgusting. So I just, uh, I stick to a... Uh, uh, I usually have like one Tic Tac in the morning and uh, with a cup of coffee, and then I eat a lemon, and that's pretty much it for the day until <laughs> night time. That's you sorted for the day, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it covers everything for me. Three of the essential food groups. So, uh, yeah, I, it's on on the the thing of playing with Steve, and I think it, it works out well that he kind of has like the almost sort of 
you know, very engaged, big rock kind kind of thing. Uh, and, and, yeah. and he almost is like working the higher register within the bass a lot of times in some of the arrangements. Probably, be, probably because uh, I'm not really thinking in those terms. And so he's that kind of musician who can pick up and like I, I feel something, I'm doing something. And he could be like, oh, shit, I was going to do something down there. But he's already there because he's such a nice guy. I'll play something up here. Right, right. Uh, you know, he's he's really not only is he just a like this is what Buzz said to me when we talked about it. I said, yeah, I think it'd be really cool me and him together. And he goes, uh, he goes, yeah, Steven's such a great musician and such a really nice guy, and you're a fucking weirdo. <laughs> and that was, Which of that course was, is high uh, praise coming from Buzz Osborne. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. I was trying to imitate his voice right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, so yeah, I kind of you know I, I took it as uh, you know he embraces the weirdness that I can bring, but I really appreciate the uh technicality and musicianship and uh and steven's really come up with some really i was watching him just today at practice yesterday at practice and uh, on, uh let it all be is he's doing some really cool stuff that was never on the record that's got yeah. this great tone and this little hang stuff he's doing and he lets me just you know sink in and agree with uh with dale and what dynamics with that stuff but again that's him being the amazing musician he is and uh you know he plays with a pick i play with fingers yep. and, you know uh i try you know i'm going my hair out so i look like steven but it turns out i look like einstein <laughs> so it's not really the fan's not as pretty on me as it is on him i can't quite work it yet but i'm new to this give me about another year and i'll have the fan down too it's 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 like a study in contrast, you know. That's like you got yeah, stage yeah. left, stage well, right. You got different things going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you get bored of watching one show, you can just look at another one. No problem. <laughs> well, and it's funny you mentioned uh, "Let It All Be" because I, I felt like that was one of the uh, the older Melvin's tunes that really benefited quite a bit from this lineup. Uh, obviously, that's a, that's a very bass driven song to begin with. It's all, you know, it's almost kind of like a record. It's it's, it's almost. <laughs> like a, was it a low rider like a the war song uh is that war? yeah 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 yeah, but, yeah, you know, yeah i could see that it has that same uh, sort of vibe that's just irresistible groove but it's uh what i like about I it gotta, no go ahead sorry uh, i was gonna say i gotta give it up to uh, buzz because he took a little while to think about which songs he thought would benefit from having both of us play yep. uh we didn't write the uh the set list buzz did and uh you know he uh uh, you know, we, we didn't really have that much time when we got ready for the tour to, uh, to, uh, figure out what we we're going to do on it. So now we're, we're pretty locked in and we're still changing what we do. Uh, it still keeps morphing, uh, as we go along. But, uh, but, you know, he, he, uh, you know, he, you know, with, with the, um, there's not much talking in a Melvin set. That right. Be something right. very drastic to happen. So the flow has to keep going. Well, and it's and, funny. Uh, oh no, go ahead. Sorry, I was don't want to interrupt you. I was going to say so. Like in between songs, is uh, instead of stage banner, we we do a little bit of jamming while while uh, two people tune, and then uh, there's some more jamming while the other person tunes, or whatever, however we work it out. We try and you know make it as seamless as possible, even though a lot of folks have no idea what we're doing. Uh, but but Buzz is the one that, that thinks about that as far as the flow goes and what our tuning is going to be when we get in there. When we did the recording, it was uh, a much different situation because um, 
I came in and it was kind of a vague understanding what what we were doing with two bass players, and it was going to be just on the. It turned out probably Buzz just one of the cover songs that we were doing on the tour I was on. Mm-hmm. But I said, hey, well, yeah, I've got some other songs. Uh, you know, I got four other songs or whatever. And he goes, oh, that's great. Yeah, we'll do those too. And uh, then he said, Steven's got a song and Dale's got a song. I said, great. And so we ended up recording a full length instead of that. But we didn't really sit down and, and uh, you know, uh, Steven was still working on uh, the Walk of Love and Death. Oh right, yeah, the double album, sure. Uh, at the time, yeah, he was still he was he. The, I kind of like this story, but uh, to digress just a little. But when he was uh, supposed to record that album with them, the the basic tracks, uh, he ended up having to do some off shows, which put him about two days behind where they were going to be with uh, drums and guitar. And uh, by the time he showed up, they had already recorded all of them. And so, uh, so yeah, that sounds like Melvin's land. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So he was kind of—I didn't realize this at the time—but he was still recording that stuff. And then here I am bringing all these songs for him to learn. And so he kind of let me direct a little bit on what you know how to you know I, I hear different bass lines in my head, but he encouraged me to kind of ask him. Uh, what I what I was hearing because he was spread pretty thin at that point, and uh, yeah, and, I bet you know, yeah. So I, I kind of point him in a direction, and he take off, and uh, the uh, so that that's not really a good representation necessarily is my point of how we can play together, and I think we've we've kind of through the uh, through the touring and through Buzz's set list have really felt what how both of us play against each other with each other. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, and play off each other. And I think, uh, if we do get a chance to actually sit down and write like this, uh, which would be something they really haven't had a chance to do since, say, the big business guys, you know, like Seeing Animal, which is one of my favorite albums they've ever done with the, uh, it's, big business fellas. It's one of the and, best, uh, know, it's, it's maybe my, one of my favorite, it's definitely one of my favorite Melvin's record and maybe my favorite. Oh, yeah, Melvin's me record. too. I, me I love too. it so much. By far, and uh, just played with those dudes. Detail, <laughs> the attention to detail on that record is uh, what makes it what it is. Uh, not to mention the talent that's on there, and uh, you know, and the vocals, how they lock up. Those guys, Jared and, and Bo, sound so amazing together. To Dale, Dale and Bo have been singing forever together. But how Jared uh, fit in and you Kobe those on big, top of that. All those big harmonies yeah. get brought in. Uh, just, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, he blends so nice with Buzz. Uh, you know, with me, it's like bringing in, you know, I'm like the little George of the group, you know, like, uh, yeah, I'm like, yeah, like Frank Zappa with little George is like, okay, sing. Okay. No, never mind. Don't do that. But you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, we're, we're learning how to blend all those things in as well. But you know, I had, I had a Southern creepy old man groove <laughs> to something that nobody wants to hear a Southern, uh, you know, greasy old man groove. Well, and uh, it's, it, it, it's funny too because of the many folks that have played with the Melvins. Like I, I was I was trying to think about this. I don't think there's anyone that comes from your background that's like played with them before. And there's always like you know they're kind of an ever evolving, ever changing amoeba. It's all kind of. Uh, Mark Mark D was from uh, El Paso. Oh, that's right. Uh, that's right, Mark D. Yeah, but I am the only one that's ever played with a pick. I'm without a pick. 
uh, with them, uh, is what they told me. Which I thought Trevor, uh, but that was a stand-up base. That's stand-up base. That's so so. a little different. But uh, but uh, I guess he even played with the Pick when he did the Houdini tour. So that's kind of a little different vibe for him. And, but that's cool though, because like I said, it's like studying contrast, right? And and again, Buzz is yeah, clearly coming yeah. at it from the place of uh, being a fan of of y'all styles. So being able I also to kind think of... he doesn't want to play anymore, so he doesn't have to. <laughs> he just sits there and holds his guitar and does performance art. And just he's uh... like doing balloon. He's doing balloon animals now in three of our songs. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, yeah, and it's, there's certainly less less ground to cover, uh, and and that was one of the things that you know from note one of the the first show I saw of of you guys playing. I was just like, I was like, oh man, this is this is beastly. This is there's, there's a lot happening here with like, you know, almost before you guys even get into it, it's like, all right, this is, you know, grab grab the seatbelt and uh, lock it in because here we go. And yeah, uh, and big, big John, uh, uh, a man who they had before I was jamming with him on this this you know it's been a while since since i uh since i played with him they started working with big john and john hopkins and he's he is uh he's one that that loves to push things to the limit and he actually performs doing sound he performs with the band he's doing tap delay stuff uh back there and, uh, like it's been really a joy to work with him uh as far as doing that when you having two bass plays and finding where we're at uh, he likes the sounds we've got. I even changed stamps on them, so I was a little worried. Uh, but, uh, you know, to put, to put both of our sounds, him with a, Steven with a pick and a Galen Kruger, and, uh, me, uh, right now, I, I went from an acoustic 370, which couldn't keep up volume wise, and I lucked into, uh, with the guy who designs our cabinets, Sean from, uh, uh, from uh, well, it's just blown on some of them, but he's oh right. I'm trying to think of the uh, was yeah, it, it, was, uh, it was Emperor before? Uh, yeah, it was Emperor and Tyrant. Tyrant Town. It's Tyrant Cat. I should know, a buddy. And, I was literally playing one of those yesterday. Uh, in, in well, I'm I'm stoned. <laughs> so that's why I forgot. <laughs> I've got yeah, I've got. I play through all of this too all the time, and I go bowling with him all the time back home. Uh, but he turned me on to uh, Dark Glass. Uh, from Finland, and it's a D class uh, bass amp that's 900 watts hmm. uh, at four ohms, and uh, the thing is, uh, I love it. But uh, anyway, so I had to switch amps, and I switched to the dark glass, and I only blew one at the end of the tour, uh, and that was from by extreme heat and really weird power at a club in Salt Lake, oh, Utah. Sure. But uh but they, they got me another one and uh and I love the sound of this thing. But uh it's kinda like a three seventy on high the way I've got it set right now. It's so, like uh but a little or, bit cleaner. Uh, uh, it's got a, it's a it's a class D amp and it's got uh what they call microtubes, which I guess is the technology from what I heard uh from uh say jet fighter planes those little tiny tubes. Oh, sure. So they're pretty, yeah, of course. Yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty durable, and uh, it's got two kinds of distortion. And they uh, seem to brag about this one. I'm really bad about uh, the two names of each one. It's like B and a B something. I don't know. But uh, I use the one that's a little bit more old school and a little bit more raw, and the other one's a little bit more new school metal sounding uh, to me, as far as that goes. But you can blend it in any way you want. And uh, shape it many different ways, and it even comes with a a pedal with uh well, it's got one pedal that you can 
uh, switch settings with, but you can get a, another one from with three, so you can actually save a few different distortion settings. Oh, nice. But uh, I don't even use the distortion pedal when I'm playing with the Melvins. That's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, you just have it, it's you just have it plugged in, and you get the get it turned up, so you get the grind, and off you go, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I guess so. You know, the distortion pedals to me take out a lot of the low end a lot of the time. So if I can get anything that can get me the grind, and I can play with with uh, with my guitar and getting feedback, then uh, that's that's just uh, that's really uh, this is. The beauty of some of the older amps that were uh, quite less voltage wattage, should I say, uh, and uh, and yeah, you can get that same tone, but at a volume you can compete with all these other people. Uh, so, so without putting it through the monitors. Well, that's that's good stuff. Seeing as how it is in Reverb dot com, we should probably uh, move on to some other stuff. You know, I think I can think I can hear some people's attention span waning, but. I always love hearing about that kind of stuff, and it's it's interesting. So, did you factor in uh, the situation that you're that you're playing in as far as uh, forgetting this, or was it just more like a happy coincidence that you you needed to change it up right when you were? No, I needed to change it up. That's what my point being is that John was a little bit concerned that when I changed that tone, he was going to have a problem fitting me in somewhere. Right. But yeah. I was able to like use something different, and uh, you know, Bose doesn't put anything but vocals in the monitors. So, yeah, even if I put my, my bass and my monitors, it doesn't sound the same on stage. Right. So it's kind of kind of to be able to compete volume-wise, uh, you know, it's necessary to... To me, if it sounds good on stage when everyone's playing together, then there's less for a sound man to do. Absolutely. And it's, you can't. It's, you can't have one quiet guy being mic'd all, you know, and pumped through all the monitors, and you know, it's not going to be quite the same. Yeah, you got a, you got Harvey in the corner with his uh, Fender champ, and you can't you can't hear him over the stacks yeah, over exactly. there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then you got Al Al with four uh, SVTs right. on the other side. Yeah. Oh man, that that's that sleep setup is uh it's ridiculous. Every time every time I uh I, I see Matt play, and I have a I, I think I've, I've told it. I'm a, crap, man. I might have told you, uh, but I, I had the best Matt Pike story. I was taking this. Uh, gigantic you know so heavy it's like a dark matter uh 215 cab you know taller than me yeah. and kind of rolling it down the rolling down the practice space come coming back from uh that, that was bar i was i had to store it in my space and I run into matt pike like as if and the kind of thing you never see outside of like a uh like a sitcom or something he walks by does a straight up cartoon double take and just goes yeah and like gives me the double thumbs up because it's just ridiculous you know? <laughs> and of course yeah. matt pike's gonna love it because it's you know you know his setup it's it's like it's like oh my god you could have like a whole an- like a whole guitar center annex just based on his setup uh, yeah here he's finally turning 15 this year <laughs> so you know you, you, you got to keep it uh you, you got to keep it real but then also there, there's a certain point where it just becomes a little bit preposterous as well and if that's the point then cool that's the point well yeah i mean al is actually uh i understand because john does their sound as well but uh they actually use a uh Al, Al sets his up with a little slightly different sound, tone for each one. Yeah, and that is noticeable if you're if you're the kind of person. Yeah, that Matt, he just plays through a Mason Boogie uh, dual wrecking fryer that he hides on the back of the state. No I'm kidding. Uh, no, he's got all his <laughs> shit sounds. It's pretty much the same except for one of his amps, for one I understand. But Al actually tries to dial them all up a little bit different. <laughs> 
Well, and it does have a thing, and there is something about uh, that many cabinets pushing that much air that it is a different experience, uh, for sure. I mean, yeah, the most extreme example is probably Jucifer, where it's just like, you know, like, all right, this is, here we go. This is, <laughs> again, well, there's something in. to be said about a, Yeah, there's something to be said about a sound bath and all of us like that. And then it also goes into, are you familiar with the 432 mm-hmm. uh, tuning? That's the uh, oh, well, actual original 432A. The frequency, the frequency of, of the. Yeah, I do know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so it was because of the uh, the brass uh, players and the woodwinds got tuned in the orchestra. They decided to use 440, and even though the strings could change to 432, uh, the uh, the woods and the brass were all dialed into uh, 440. And so that's why we ended up at that that frequency. But there's been a lot of good studies at the 432 frequency as to what it does to generate growth in life. Yeah, it's supposed to be more uh, in like the harmonic resonance. Supposed to be, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I I've read a whole couple things about that. Actually, it's pretty pretty interesting. Yeah. So yeah, we're sound bathing in the wrong frequency with with sleep. Is all my point was. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> it explains mm-hmm. a lot, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They came so close. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I just got to play with them, so that was, a, that was a, really a treat for me. They asked me to do that, and I took on, I don't know how many people, but uh, a lot more than me out on the other side of the stage. And thanks to them, uh, bringing me out to St. Pedro. Yeah, and you opened up that show with, uh, with, with your banjo music, too, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And that's got to be, <laughs> like, how's that with a, with a whole crowd, you know, expecting to see... Those dudes do their thing, and then then you're like, "Hey, y'all, here we go!" <laughs> like, how was that? Was uh, that they a- were they were so stoned. I told them I was asleep, and they believed me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> no, I, w- I whooped their ass into shape, man. We we all got along, man. We all got along really well. That's good because it's yeah. It's, I mean, it's definitely. You know, sometimes there's there's people that kind of stick to their strict genre classifiers and want all the bands to sound the same. Well, here are all the metal bands. Here are all the, yeah. you know, these bands, that band. I, I, I like it when it's just like the correlating factor is good. That's that's my favorite. Yeah. Well, that was, uh, you know, Phil Graham's thing. Uh, you know, Bill Graham, I mean, uh, Presents was... Uh, Phil was, was his lesser-known brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So, oh, yeah, we got but, Phil but, Graham yeah, promoting this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oops. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there'd be like three different, totally, you know, two different, three different styles of bands playing on the same bill. And it worked, you know. I mean, this Armadillo did that kind of, but yeah, you'd have, it was more the audience. The Armadillo in Austin it would have, uh, you know, the, the hippies, the rednecks, and the cowboys all in one room. Yeah. Uh, you know, they didn't know what to make all that. That's what Texas has always been like, I guess. I just, I actually just started reading the John Fogarty autobiography, and uh, it was is real interesting to like see like his take on like Creedence playing shows with like the Grateful Dead and such, and just like their different approaches to doing things and things along those lines. That's fascinating stuff. That. Yeah, yeah. I just saw the uh, a little bit of that uh, Skinner uh, movie, well, about two-thirds of it, because uh, it wouldn't rewind all the way to the beginning when it popped on. But, <laughs> yeah, the, the way, they, the way, they, uh, the way they, they discussed it is the way I've always thought. You're in competition with every band, even though you love your... It's like two MMA fighters. They might be best friends in training, but when you get up on stage... You want to you want to blow all the, every other band in the world off off the map. You know, if you're if you're not, then 
uh, I'm not sure, you know, what you're doing it for. But, uh, you know, solo is a little bit different because, you know, yeah, but when you're with a band, you got like a team. And, you know, like any team, you want to high-five at the end of the, well, theoretically. And not like I'm in a band where I high-five everybody when we're done. <laughs> but, uh... You can start. I don't, slap, I don't know if Buzz would be... We slap each other on the ass and say, good game. <laughs> right, That's exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. it, it, uh, and it's nice to see bills where the bands kind of push each other to to work harder and dig deeper too. Then you get like you get better results out of, out of both of them, um, rather than just you know. If I'm not saying anyone's like you know look, sitting most on their of the morals. time it's guitar players. Most of the time it's guitar players who are at war because you know you don't want to be like you know you got that first guy that comes on and goes look at me 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 wow look at me look at me look at me look at me. Yeah, so you know, got to do something better than looking at you so when you get up there. Uh, maybe you get up there and you, you know, more metal's time, you go, hug a dick, hug a dick, hug a dick, hug a dick, hug a dick. <laughs> but, you know, I don't think about hugging dicks anymore. <laughs> Actually, I never did. But, that's that's the pull quote right there. Hug a dick. Yeah, but that's kind of the way I, even, you know, like the way, uh, you know, guitar players and bass players talk to drummers, you know, uh, you know, all the, uh, we did that on the last honky record with Dale. Actually, we did Moby Dick a cappella. It was the, uh, dick in the butt, 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 big fat, dick in the butt, dick in the butt, fat cock, fat cock, dick in the butt, fat cock, fat cock, dick in the butt, dick in the butt, dick in the butt, dick in the butt. Uh, yeah, it's a it's acapella version. But right, yeah, right. That's a language. That's a that's a language that you have to. Uh, I, I guess there's a Pat Boone, Debbie Boone, Pat Boone, Debbie Boone. Pat, that's a Devo beat. You know. <laughs> well, that just reminds me of uh, you know when they, they did that. There was that Dead Kennedys tribute. No means no did a forward to death, <laughs> and they did it a hundred percent acapella. Which I was like, what a brilliant move. That's that, I, yeah, lo- I love yeah. I love that kind of stuff. You know, it's it's because. For me, like Dead Kennedys are one of those bands that, like, all right, how are you going to try to like do a tribute Dead Kennedys unless you, you got to do your own thing to it? You know, it's it's they're such an iconic band that you, you're not going to necessarily improve it. You, all you can do is do something totally wild and totally different. And I was like, wow, acapella. All right, there you go. Yeah, yeah, you, you could do all of the songs if you want to do something very different. Do all the songs with a really non-irritating voice. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so talk to me about the uh the uh the tune um y'all did with Terry the uh, the bikini kill song. Uh you guys did you did that cool recording of Rebel Girl the kind of oh, based off of what you guys kill. did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh uh thanks to the miracle of the internet and uh, the song only being three chords, it was really easy to pull off. But we wanted to do a song with her, and we knew that her favorite band was Bikini Kill. And so uh, we listened to some Bikini Kill songs. Yeah, what and, a tune. Uh, that one's a monster song, too. It's so good. And that one, yeah, that one uh, really fit her. And, you know, so it was, it was, that one was a lot of fun to do. I, I, I love Terry. She was such a, an amazing person, uh, such a great talent. I mean, what you see is sincere and uh, very pure. And, and uh, what a, I just, her her lyrics, her presentation, uh, just amazing. She's 
she's got such a, a great, great career ahead of her. I can't wait to see what she's like when she's an old man like me. <laughs> yeah, she's she's a powerhouse. <laughs> and that's a... It, it's a trip because yeah. the uh, that was actually... The, was it that tour? Yeah, I think it was that tour was the first time I actually finally saw a full set of them. I saw I saw the Butcherettes play with Queens of the Stone Age, but uh, the the friend I was with was dragging ass, and we got there like right as the as they were finishing the last song. I was like, "Wow, that sounded awesome! Who the hell was that?" I'm like, ah, oh, it's this band, the Butcherettes. I'm like, ah, fuck! I would have liked to have seen all of that show, but I didn't at all because yeah. my, again, my friend was dragging ass, and then uh, she like sleeps. In, oh. No, I was just gonna say it was. It's, then I was like, "Wow, this is better than I thought it was gonna be." When I saw, when I saw, she's a powerhouse, man. She's like a little Freddie. Yeah, Mercury. she sleeps about eighteen hours of the day, and then she does that thing, and then she goes back to sleep again, <laughs> like a cat or something, right? <laughs> I don't know, but she she liked to sleep, that's for sure. But she was she was extremely funny and uh, uh, just really really together. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's it was just so nice to see somebody. I was really like coming from somewhere uh, different, out of the box. That was just really uh, pulling stuff off. No matter who she plays with, she's just got got this thing. Some people, some folks got it. Some folks don't. Yep. Some folks are Mila, and I have friends that are got it. <laughs> well, it's uh, and she's a again former guest of the show too. Was a, I really I had her on the show previously, and and she insisted. That to buy me tacos when we uh, before we did the show, she was very adamant about it. I'm I'm like okay, not yet. I mean I'm I feel like I'm the you're the one on my show. I should be buying the tacos. She's like no 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 no, I'm gonna buy them. Oh, okay, all right, whatever. That's cool, you know. But she doesn't eat very much. She she has like a half clove of garlic and uh, and uh, you know maybe she'll get crazy and take a hit off the joint. But now when we're on the road, she yeah she she just nibble on garlic all day long so. Yeah, she can give you her meal ticket, man. Yeah, she, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> sure, I bet that make, that makes sense. So, uh, and uh, yeah, so so talk to me about you know you're in a situation where bottle surfers were around. You guys were doing stuff for forever, forever and a day, and there was a big old gap. There's a big old gap where there wasn't when it wasn't anything going on. I mean, I know. That you did uh, some the Daddy Longhead uh, for 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 a hot minute there, and you uh, you played with Helios Creed, I think, for a bit, right? Yeah, yeah. I, well, I left the butts. I was doing this Daddy Longhead, and then I was doing the band Skinny Leonard, and uh, and then for Skinny Leonard, uh, we had a singer that got thrown in jail, and then we had Ernie Locke from Tenderloin came in, and then. Uh, one of our guys went to rehab. And anyway, so we ended up starting Honky, and then Honky was what I did for a long time uh, after the Daddy Longhead stuff. And, uh, uh, yeah, I was I was pretty young. I had a kid, worked at a ranch out in Lockhart, Niederwald mm. uh, area, and uh, did sound at emos, recorded bands at my house, played in hockey, and didn't sleep very much, had a kid. And uh, and just kept doing my thing and and learning the grind. I think when I think when I the due to the uh, which I was talking to someone in an interview about the lack of credits which everyone loved about but old surfers, including me, 
was great and kept the band mysterious until you leave the band and nobody knows what you did for the band. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's so great it really, till it isn't. So, <laughs> yeah, so it really, yeah, so it really doesn't help me in selling any of my shit to, you know, people don't know what I, what I did, what I didn't do. And, uh, so I, you know, uh, it was an eye opener and, uh, I just started down at the bottom again and, uh, you know, just, uh, didn't really have much as far as connections go because I was living in the middle of the country and just kept writing music and writing music. And, uh, now I play with the Butts again when we do play stuff and, uh, you know, playing with the Melvins. I did play with Helios, uh, uh, did a couple albums with him. Yeah. What a, what a, uh, what an amazing and I feel incredibly underrated guitar player. I mean, God, what, yeah, a, what a yeah, badass, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chrome uh, half machine lip smooth is one of my favorites. That uh, nothing like uh, it. That, nothing. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that was you know that was a big big game changer for me to hear the freedom of that and what year that came out in. I heard it, of course, later on. I, I didn't hear it. You know, what seventy six? <laughs> that was that was not on my my play. I was in Georgia at the time. You know, right? It's hard and, to think uh, about. And we uh, talked about this, but like there wasn't the internet. You couldn't just call up like any old band and and listen to everything no, they've ever no. put out. You know, <laughs> yeah. But I was only I was only nine years old in seventy six. You know, I'm a youngster. I was a youngster then. I'm an old man now. But uh, so when I did uh, catch on to that stuff. Uh, it was cool. It ended up he played on a butthole surfer song that we that we that we didn't give him credit on, and uh, <laughs> so then I played on uh, then I played on a couple of his albums, and uh, well, I was supposed to, I wrote pretty much all of one album. That uh, it's a really interesting story with that, but I won't I won't go into all the I won't bore you with the details. Oh man, that's but, not uh, that's not boring. That's ratings, putting, my friend. Go ahead, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has a he has a, he has a different way of doing business, I guess, uh, uh, and and That's treating right. other folks that he works with. Uh, I didn't <laughs> I didn't quite dig it, but uh, anyways, I wrote uh, pretty much like all the music on this album called Activated Condition. Uh, I brought a drummer up there and we rehearsed a bunch of songs. We got up there and we had two weeks to do it, and he said, uh, "I said okay, well these are my songs, playing like eleven songs," and. Uh, he goes, oh, I don't have any songs. So, uh, so basically recorded the bottom tracks and we did get one song out of him, which I really liked that was on there called water. And, uh, uh, that was one he had for years and years and didn't play it with anybody. And that song alone is worth that, that album. I wish you would have right. written more, but, uh, you know, so the rest of it is like me writing bottom tracks with my friend and then he was doing the top tracks. It took about a year for him to do it, and then I had it mastered because he did it on uh, mismatched uh, home stereo speakers. I basically did it on an eight track <laughs> wow, and okay. bounced it. Yeah, I did it on an eight track, bounced it down to two tracks, so he would have the other six tracks to do top tracks on. And so he sent it to me, and then I mastered it with a uh, guy named Jerry Tubb and uh, in Austin and, uh, yeah, he did the best he could with me and 
spent a lot of dough <laughs> just just doing the mastering, but I was I wanted it to be more of like a half machine lip smooth vibe. As yeah, far as yeah. There were no no gaps no gaps in between the songs. That's probably one of the things to, that blew my mind most about that record. When I first heard it, it was just like kind of one long piece, you know. But like it, there was like yeah. it, it vibed its way through with the different songs, and it just I never heard anything like it before. And you know that's back yeah, when I was just I, snippets. Yep. And, yeah. I, and I worked at a record store at the time, and like that was one of those records of where I was like, I was like, man, like I never heard anything like this. This is like I want to keep yeah. starting it over again. See, all right, let's. and that's where you could like fart into a mic, and it was cool, which I've always used as a uh, comparison to like bands that do what Butthole Surfers do. And I guess uh, Butthole Surfers were around before I was in the band, you know, for years and years. And if you fart into the mic after you've been around for years and years, it's kind of funny. If you just start out and you've got a four track <laughs> and you just fart in a mic, it's not that funny. So there's like a, some weird acceptance <laughs> of being able to fart into a mic. But they did that in '76. They farted into a mic, and that's on Half Machine Lips Moves. That's and right. A four track, and there's actually a fart on that album, uh, which I thought was very liberating uh, for myself. <laughs> and the other thing about that is, uh, I, I don't know why I always compare it to this song, but I've, I've never heard a riff dragged so much into the ground as uh, Hedaski did it when I heard it. And it was uh, Lenny Kravitz. And it was, I, I'm not sure what the name of the song is, but it goes... What's that song called? I, I know the one you're talking good. about, but it's just the one... It's it's almost it like... It over and yeah. over and over again, and then it changes to... a different key to do it and then it comes back to do it even more and half machine lips moves was the total antithesis i think that's the right. word right yep, yep. of that uh to where it did not burn you put on like you said you put on the whole album to hear abstract info yep. uh or yep. turn it around uh you don't want that song to last 12 minutes you want to listen to the whole album and hear that two minutes of it again it's yeah, like, and that I think is I think that's the difference of that kind of vibe. They pulled that off where you wanted to hear the whole album just to hear those riffs again. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 like a, watching a David Lynch movie or something. Like you know, like you're going to get to like the Frank Booth part, and you know it's going to be super killer. But like the build up to it is part of the anticipation. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, I can see that. That's pretty good. <laughs> And that, uh, just, just to shit on Lenny Kravitz a little bit, I want to say, like, that's also just, like, the butt rock version of, uh, you know, Ron Ashton riff, too. Like, it's not even, I'm like, really? This is, this is, everyone's flipping out over this. Huh? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's fine, gonna, but whatever. Yeah, it's not fine, and I, I, I liked it when he ripped his crotch. No, uh, <laughs> I liked it when he had John Paul Jones play with him. Oh, yeah, I forgot, but, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, uh, yeah, at least he tried to make it somewhat interesting. Well, good for him, I guess. You know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, enough about Lenny Kravitz. So yeah, so you came in. Uh, it was it was after Rembrandt Pussy Horse. Uh, Rembrandt Pussy Horse was actually the first album those guys ever recorded. Yeah. Uh, so everything's out of order the way it was released. But yeah, I got I joined the band uh, when Cream Corn and Rembrandt were being released, and uh, I was on Locust Abortion Technician through. Uh, then that order was pretty straightforward afterwards. But before I was in the band, a lot of that stuff was re- released out of order. And uh, Rembrandt Pussy Horse was actually when they two of the guys, Kitty and Paul, lived at Studio D in San Antonio, and they had all different kinds of uh, 
I, I won't say all kinds of all kind of musicians because that would get you like flagged or something. All kinds of musicians <laughs> on there, uh, and uh, and then uh, you know then King did the Brown Reason to Live, and then Kenya Teresa was PCPPEP, yep. and then uh, uh, they did the Cream Corn uh, one, which was uh, well, a little span of time right there. That was pretty pretty much right before I joined. And uh, then Locust was when I was, uh, I didn't record on until I was 18. But I joined those guys when I was, I just graduated high school and I was 17 years old. I left home at 15, so it wasn't like a big deal to join up with them. Uh, but jo- joined up with them and played my first show on January 10th, 1986. Damn. Uh, I believe. Uh, what's that? I, I just was, I said, Damn. <laughs> <laughs> that's it yeah and uh that was that was done on eight track right it's, it's like it's there's not yeah, a lot of tracks yeah, was, on that one yeah it was eight track yeah well paul was really paul did most of the engineering uh at uh, uh, you know uh he was uh, he had really cool concepts and uh like you know compressing a snare running it backwards and compressing it again or <laughs> yeah just he just he'd do some some weird shit but it was a lot of fun, and Paul, you know, he he he, he was he's uh, you know he deserves like he finally got famous working with a band that was not at all his style, right? And it sold a million <laughs> copies. And as my friend Danny Barnes told me once, he didn't make this up, but he said someone told him this best best piece of advice probably for anyone is don't get famous doing something you don't like. Yeah, and uh, that that's kind of like you know, uh, but he got his payoff and. Uh, uh, you know, he worked with some of the guys he really liked a lot. He didn't appreciate junkies at that point. Yeah. And it didn't make it too easy for him. I should, I shouldn't speak for him on, on any of this stuff because it's just my interpretation of it. But, uh, I know, I know he's had enough of, uh, of that particular drug anyways. Yeah. No, I get it. So. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, it does a real good job of fucking up everything, you know? Yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, some some folks use it for uh, just you know, like okay, I'm not in charge anymore. Well, fuck it, then I'm just going to do this, and they'll just direct me to where I'm going next. And uh, you know, I think there's there's a lot of that 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 happened in the record industry because you had a lot of people that might be in charge of some of this stuff before they have a large corporation behind them, and uh, then all of a sudden they realize that their opinion or the direction they want the band to go in is no longer going to be, uh, their, their opinion no longer matters. And uh, at that point, a lot of people just feel better control freaks, feel like, okay, well, if I'm out of that control, I'm going to start doing this. Right. And it's just something, I've, I've, my perception of people I've been around, it's never been my drug of choice. Uh, again, I'm much more of a, well, I used to be acid and weed and, uh, and definitely some whiskey. Uh, now it's more mushrooms and weed, you know, but that's my thing. Never, uh, I did did have the dark ages of, uh, of, uh, you know, the pick me up stuff. I think like when you're younger, uh, you wonder why people that are older still, you know, start doing like, uh, you know, speed or Coke or any of that stuff. And then you get a little older and then all of a sudden you got to take out, you know, take out the trash and you can have it out by the street at six o'clock in the morning at your house. Uh, then you have to play a show at, uh, one o'clock at night. <laughs> just, just, yeah, you don't have all that energy anymore and you want to feel like, you know, 20 years younger for 40 minutes. Uh, 
so a lot of folks get into that. Luckily, that's that's all gone uh, for me and most of my friends. But um, it's almost like a, dark ages. It's almost like a, a vampiric thing, though. I mean, you, you you get those benefits, but there's there's other costs that, that are involved. yeah. You you kind of got to keep it going, and that's the problem, you know. Uh, but you know, I, I, like I, I tell most people, is I, I do pace myself. It's it's a fast pace, but it's a pace. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, I, I tried to slow my roll a little bit, you know, and, uh, and you know, personally for me, it's, it's worked out. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's hard. Cycles are hard to break out of. Well, you definitely. Really take a deep, deep, dark look at yourself and, and say, you know what? Maybe this shit's killing me and maybe I do want to live a little bit longer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that would be okay, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought I, I thought this shit would have killed me by now, but now that it hasn't, maybe I'll change my mind. Well, yeah. and and hearkening back over t- uh, to Buzz, you know, it, it, it's he he doesn't go like shouting it from a megaphone or anything, but he he's a guy that you know that that's a that's a relatively straight laced young man, and uh, uh, but I, I appreciate and something that you know I agree with is the fact that as long as you're bringing the damage and and bringing bringing your best thing to it like it's 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 sort of like a hands-off sort of situation but when you're coming out of playing music as like a you know you're you're doing this to to do a thing and and you want to be able to bring it and you want to be able to uh, deliver i've seen unfortunately i've seen i've seen some bands not be able to do that and that's a uh, oh yeah 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 totally well you know you, you think you you think uh, yeah a lot of, there's a lot of reasons for that and the thing about that I love about Buzz is that yeah you know, he thinks I'm crazy for going down doing ayahuasca in Peru and so it's going to kill me and stuff like that. <laughs> I, I I love that about Buzz, but then I think you know it's like I wish Buzz would just try. And there's not one single drug that I've done, and you know, weed's not a drug because it's only one one ingredient. I did find out ayahuasca is the original drug because it's actually two ingredients: it's leaves oh, okay. from one tree and roots roots from another. Weed, mushrooms, not a drug; it's a medicine. But anyways, I can't think of any one thing. Yeah, try try telling that to a cop with, in uh, Alabama, right? <laughs> right, right. But I don't see anything that Buzz would benefit from at all. I right. couldn't say like, "Oh, Buzz, if you just took this mushroom, this would be." No, I couldn't say, "Hey, Buzz, if you just smoked this joint." No, because I really wouldn't want to be around him if he did any. Oh of those man. Things. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's an intense individual as it is. He's already kind of he out there. Yeah. <laughs> he, well, he's out there, but he doesn't. That kind of medicating, like to me, I kind of know what everything does to me, and I feel I feel like I have a good grip on it. <laughs> right. But right. Uh, I think his good grip is knowing that nothing is really good for him. Yeah. And uh, I, I being on the outside, cannot think of anything at all that would change him for any way that would make him more enjoyable to me, you know, or to, or more productive in this world or anything. You know, there's, he's perfect the way he is, you know, he is, he, there's nothing at all for me. Uh-huh. I know, uh, I I got to get like a certain mindsets for certain things sometimes. And I medicate myself appropriately, you know, like, uh, I'm not the most social person. Mushrooms really help with that. Uh, you know, there, there's certain things that I feel I medicate myself with. Sure. And, yeah. uh, yeah. But, uh, but I try to be open and honest about it so that way I don't feel like I'm being creepy and hiding out doing shit. 
<laughs> well, yeah, back, and, and, and backstage or back back in the sprinter doing hot rails and, and <laughs> off a knife or something. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, and it, be, uh, you know, it, it's kind of a, a known thing then, and that uh, I, I love that book. The Our Band Could Be Your Life. It's, it's sort of, you know, I, I adore Fugazi, but they have the most boring chapter. You know, it's like, hey, they were a band, they went around and did stuff, and everybody was cool with it. Okay, right on. But like, you know, y'all's chapter was disclaimer. <laughs> disclaimer: that book is full of shit. <laughs> you, th- you think so? How, all right, so let's let's let's. He never that. talked to one. He never talked to a motherfucker. Single one of us. So it's anecdotal. Got, okay. Said, okay. Some of his some of his quotes were my quotes that he said King said and first vice all this shit. All he did was read some other people's stuff and uh if you if anybody wants to know anything about butthole surfers, uh James Burns his book, uh well, I have to be honest, I only read it up to the point where I left the band. <laughs> and he nailed he nailed everything up to that point. I didn't I wasn't so interested in the rest. Uh, but he uh, and the be- the beginning of it is uh, uh, that's the is, that's well, the uh, let's go to hell I think it's called right yeah yeah okay and the beginning of it is like what you know the stuff in church that most of us don't pay attention to uh, like uh, Leviticus you know, it's like and then uh, and then he begot so and so who was born in so and so in this town of so and so who begot this who who came to the bass player the. 13th bass player of the band and then yeah. <laughs> right, right, yeah. but just goes through this uh, this very very dry but very factual timeline uh but yeah that stuff that i i tried someone just gave me that book and i was like oh i'm not even bothered with this i just tried to read our chapter but if uh, the other chapters are as badly written as that one that's my opinion but you know um everyone's memories are different but I'm pretty sure his was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it almost seemed like he was concentrating like the flying circus sort of aspect of it uh, at the expense of all else. And it definitely, yeah. it's the only one for me, it seemed like a bit of an outlier. Cause it's the only one that kind of seemed like it was, okay, this is like a controversialized accounting of this. And yeah. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know that guy. I'm not going to speak for him. He's welcome to come on the show. I'll, I'll, I'll talk all about it, but, uh, yeah, I've said that. It's not the first time I've said that about his book, and I'm just, uh, you know, I, I actually do think I've met the fella before, but uh, he definitely didn't interview me to put quotes around anything I said, and the stuff I did see was was not what I said, and uh, I don't know. I just got unimpressed by that book myself, because I figured everything else in the book must be bullshit, too. Yeah, well, I mean, but, uh, yeah. James, if, if you're looking James at Burns, it as a, as a that dude that lived it, and factual. you're saying it's not accurate, then I would see where you would maybe think it's not that great. Well, of a book. I yeah. also wrote a book. I also wrote a book, read a book on memory and on time. But in memory, we do rewrite our own memory. So maybe he was right, and I just rewrote mine to where it just seems like it's wrong. I don't know. But uh, that's the, the stuff that the stuff that James wrote uh, that all rings a bell to me. Uh, there's nothing in that I'm like that didn't happen. I didn't say that, or you know, nothing like that. Right, right. But uh, so, but not many people care, and most people forget what they read about. I don't usually read about bands. You know, I read about Skinner and Allman Brothers, and uh, and I read read a book called Hitman. But other than that, I read a bunch of uh, <laughs> a bunch of stuff that interests me, which is usually uh, a little out there for some folks. But. Um, yeah, but, yeah. I mean, like it's almost a, like the parallax view, or uh, what do they call it? The uh, the Rashomon effect, 
right? Where, uh, you know, like everyone kind of like sees things from like the perspective that they're at maybe. And, uh, sure. Yeah. 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 Definitely. And, but you know, this guy came from the outside and, uh, was, was, uh, picking up stories that he read from whatever, I don't know. There's no fact checking going on. Uh, but yeah, one thing I can say about the guys in the butts is they always treated me right. They always treated me good uh, after I left the band, while I was in the band, still to this day. Never was ripped off by those guys, and uh, those guys are uh, uh, amazing people, great friends, and you know, lifelong lifelong buddies. Uh, it's, it's so nice to be in a band, uh, or been in a band with people you can say that with. And I can't think of any bands... Uh, well, maybe one <laughs> that I would that I would feel that way that I don't feel that way about. You know, I mean, Melvin's. You, you know, was in them, out of them, all that. We still talk all the time. Uh, you know, just privileged to play with some of the folks I get to play with. But it's just nice to know that you hear all the trash stories out there, and um, you know, knowing I've played with, and I try and do my business the way the folks who brought me up doing business do it. And uh, working fairly with people, none of us make enough money to where you can really be a dick to someone else. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> you don't sound <laughs> like I made five million dollars last. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But no one ripped me off of my ten bucks. You know, <laughs> so I'm happy. Well, and so if I remember right, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, the the last uh, for that the the first go round. Right, the last uh, Buttle Surfers record was Independent Worm Saloon, right? Like the the, the one on Capitol. For me, for, for me, you, for you, yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. a, and I distinctly remember because because uh, I was when that came out. That's when I was working at a record store, and I I, I love that record. I think it's 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 like the big guitar solo record. And I, I, one of the songs yeah. I love was Ballad of Naked Men, which I didn't realize until years later. That's you on the banjo on that one, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I got to do that with uh, John Paul Jones live playing bass in front of me and yeah. Paul playing guitar and King playing congas. And yeah. we recorded it live. That was pretty surreal for uh, for me. Fucking uh, JPG on the on the bass. You could do worse, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's, yeah. And in my, in my high times fantasy, you know, high times fantasy, magazine dreams of smoking weed and listening to Zeppelin. Never once was I like 15 and go, yeah, I can't wait to do this banjo song with this guy. <laughs> right. Yeah. It wasn't top of mind, as they say. Yeah, it was pretty surreal. But, uh, but yeah, that was that was cool. So, yeah, the, the, you know, the basically, uh, I'd say John Paul Jones basically bought my banjo uh, playing to life. And that's why I'm such a huge banjo playing star right now. And, and and that's uh I don't know is is I was, I was gonna say that's tough competition is it tough competition I don't I don't know anything about ban- the banjo playing world well, I think about it there's no competition as far as I'm concerned everyone I know can actually play the fucking thing <laughs> uh, I just I wrestle the thing like I wrestle a bass <laughs> right know? yeah uh, but that I'm makes a, I'm you a songwriter you know yeah I, I like writing songs and I, I like doing some weird stuff and making weird noises but when it comes down to it I'm really about the, you know the whole song and uh there's there's so many people out there that can uh yeah my, my buddy dana Barnes who worked with me on this record he, he won <laughs> he got uh fifty thousand dollars from steve martin for the uh excellence in banjo one year just out of nowhere oh man uh, 
Yeah. Oh, that guy plays I'm, banjo. I forget about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of a mixture between Dean Martin and Steve Martin. <laughs> 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 Lovely. That's awesome. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I use it as a mode of writing songs and stuff. But when I asked Danny one time, I was like, hey, show me some shit, man. What am I doing here? And he goes, oh, man, I love what you're doing. And he told me once, he goes, because he, he's as original as it gets, but he goes, I learned too many other people's styles. He goes, don't learn anyone's styles. Just do what you do. And that's always been how I played, you know, and that's, that's, that's good and that's bad. That's probably why I don't enjoy playing as many covers as, say, the Melvins. Uh, right. They love, like, digging on other people's vibes. I really want to explore what myself usually a lot of the time, so I'm not really so into covers. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, uh, I'm trying to get into covers because <laughs> that's how we start practices off and sound checks. But yeah, well, you but did, uh, I, I saw I would, you, I saw you play, uh, what was it? Uh, Sway, the, that stone song. Yeah, we played Sway on the recording. It's, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I can't say I'm a Beatles fan and that's, you know, oh, these guys love the Beatles and, uh, yeah, I want to hold your hand. Buzz is like, I want you to sing this. <laughs> no. <laughs> I sang on it though. I did the creepy old man vocals like I should have on uh, the breakdown where uh, when he says and when I touch you, yeah, because uh, that to me sounds like a creepy old man. <laughs> and when I touch you, so I did. That's me. But uh, yeah, other than that, yeah, I just I did the scream and some other stuff. But, yeah, they, but that's like the they're, moving they're, sidewalks type uh, arrangement. Yeah, too. the moving sidewalks version of it, and that's what he tried to you know rope me in with on it. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's I think it sounds much better with both singing, and it's a good version. I love love the version. But uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, he wanted me to do the James King one, and oh yeah, uh, I didn't really, do, and that was the cover by them, and I didn't really relate to the lyrics. So I changed the lyrics around and. I think it's Bob Burt from uh, drummer from uh, John Spencer, yep. uh, old drummer from Sonic Youth. Yeah, I think he uh, he said I think he said when he listened to it that he loved it because it sounded like a pissed off fourteen year old singing it. And I was right, like, wow, right, right, yeah, yeah, totally. I think, thanks, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and that's the one that so that was uh, the James Gang song "Stop," and then they yeah. you kind of you kind of mash mash up. Sure, they had a mash up with the the moving to Florida, the, the yeah, classic but old surfer which song. Is, which is where you're at right now, <laughs> right? Not anymore, thankfully. I've, I've, oh, like, I oh, I'm, okay. I'm back now, but yeah, man that that whole I've, that whole state's like a jockstrap, man. I I don't know. It's, yeah, yeah, I don't think I'm allowed back there for a couple more years. At least that's what I tell everyone. So that way they don't ask me to go. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, I like I like alligators and that part's cool, but like the rest of it, no way, not for me. You know the difference between an alligator and a crocodile? It's, well, is it? Uh, let's say if it's a joke, no. Is it a joke? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a joke. Man. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Then, then, all right. Yeah, no. one you see. Yeah, one you see later, and one you see in a while. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are actually so alligators are actually one of my favorite animals, and then like, uh, I think they're they're totally cool, man. I, I love everything about them. But uh, does it have something to do with the big mouth part? 
Yeah, I don't know. This... <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. All right. You got me. You got me. Uh, I, it did trip me out, though, that, like, all the, there's all these. I was watching the local news, and, like, I, I swear to you, 90% of the news items were about alligators, like, being involved. Like, this one's in a swimming pool. This guy, like, grabbed one and, like, was in a liquor store for some reason. some beer with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, everything yeah. is alligators. What are alligators yeah. just involved? <laughs> it's cool if you have one. You just can't saw one off under 18 inches. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's definitely if it. it comes in a salt alligator that's salt one. alligator yeah exactly that's there's a song title right there salt water alligator no good <laughs> all right <clears throat> yeah so yeah florida anyway alligators florida we get it uh so, so you know you talked about with the butthole surfers stuff that you know there wasn't like the strict accreditation of like who did what where i mean sort of i guess the most extreme example of that is uh harry to steven i think right where there's not even song titles it's like pictographs and that that... oh yeah 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 it was uh like a horse taking a pee and man with feces throwing it at woman with baseball bat and yeah Stuff like that, and a big syringe. That was Rocky. That was a song called Rocky. But yeah, we had our own names for it. But we just wanted to hear what rec- what radio stations would call each one uh, when it the picture. So yeah, I guess publishing that might have been an issue. <laughs> right. I mean, it's it, it's something that like at, when I first saw it, like I thought it was about the coolest goddamn thing I seen in the whole world when I saw it. But then, yeah, but that's think- what that's what art meets the business, you know. It's like right. it, it is. Uh, it, what, you know, some people are independently wealthy, like Steve Albini, and they can get away with doing songs <laughs> about fucking. But then there's other people that aren't really rich, and we got to kind of play the game too, so it's like a little different. But yeah, so that that's a big like we'll take a loss for the art, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, we won't find uh, any any of those on iTunes with that with those names on it. I guess. Yeah, and it's kind of like it, it's one of those things that it, it just kind of seemed like that was that was something you guys were, were sort of tripping on it and and like hey this let's do this that'll be cool and then you know the times didn't exactly match up with that as far as <laughs> you, you know as as the world moved on to what the world is it didn't exactly match up with the with the yeah, modern world but, right. But- the truth of the matter is is that we were just lazy. And by we, I mean, I must have been the laziest because I had the least amount to do with most of those, uh, except for the back of Locust Abortion Technician. I found that with uh, our buddy Grux in San Francisco in a dumpster, that picture. But uh, other than that, uh, you know, most of the time it was just get the front and the back together, and that was tough enough because of technology and where we lived and how we lived. And so, to the idea of like putting credits and all that stuff and all that information, that was that would have been a headache, man. So we just sent in the bare minimum, and uh, you know, got good looking album covers. One time we sent we do this thing called a Texas trip, and uh, uh, someone had the idea to uh, uh, get a bunch of fire ants on uh, uh, and tape them down uh, on top of this piece of uh, uh, cardboard. And they were still alive. We sent them to Chicago, and uh, it was called the Texas Trips. So the fire ants were perfect, but they said some of them were still alive when it made it up there to them. Oh, man. But that's, <laughs> yeah, that's they wild. were taped down. They were taped down. 
<laughs> oh, good. That makes it okay yeah. then. All right. <laughs> I mean, there were no fire ants for hurt in the making of that album cover. Yeah, where's that say. disclaimer, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I mean, we also did a uh, a cockroach uh, snuff movie one time with a guy named uh, Jim Cohen from uh, New York. He came down with his his uh, sixteen mil camera, and we caught a palmetto bug, threw it in the freezer, uh, taped it on its back, uh, filmed a snuff movie where we set it on fire with alcohol, mounted oh, the camera on top of it. And then we pulled out his organs while he was still alive. We let him get alive still first from it. It was pretty brutal. <laughs> That's the guy, uh, Jim Cohen. Didn't he? Didn't he do? Uh, he, uh, he Jim did, Cohen. Yeah, yeah Jim. J J J E M. Right. J E M. Yeah, he did the. Uh, he filmed the Dance Curious show. Oh, uh, yeah. Which was a pretty famed, famed, uh, famed show. Gibby was playing his penis with the drumsticks for some <laughs> of that. He did that Fugazi uh, documentary too. It's really good, uh, really well done. Uh, that, that, it's a. F- oh, I didn't see that. It's uh, man, I haven't seen it like since it came out. And that was a long time back. But I remember everything I seen by that dude was pretty good. Did he do like an RAM video or something too? Like he's a. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't really keep up on a lot of that. But I do know that when uh, I was, Fugazi stayed out at our house and I was sitting with Ian, uh, uh, I, I pulled out a joint. It was just me and him, and we we're sitting on the sofa valley we lived in a little valley out in driftwood and uh and i started smoking a joint and we're sitting there and he goes he goes well, how much do you think you spend on weed each year and i'm like well, good question i thought about it and i was like oh, probably like ten thousand bucks and he goes wow you can have a pool for that <laughs> and i look at the valley right in front of me and i go well there's a swimming hole across the street <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> I took what he said to heart for a second. I was like, why don't we have, oh yeah, I can just jump in across the street. No problem. Yeah, it's sorted. It's sorted. (laughs) Yeah. There's no no alligators or crocodiles. Right, right, right. So you won't end up on the news. (laughs) Maybe a snapping turtle, though. So, the, talk to me about the double live record, the double live Buttle Surfers record. Because I, I love, I had that one. Um, I think I had a dude that uh, gave me a cassette, actually, a dub cassette. And I didn't, at the time, it was sold to me. And this is funny because. Bootlegged or bootleg? It's bootlegged or bootlegged. I, I, you know, now you, you can. Bootlegged or bootlegged because uh, we, that was actually probably one of the better business moves the band did. And were, we used to pirate everyone's bootlegs when they came out which is more or less what you did. Yep. And uh, we would pirate it because and flood the market because we'd see something we didn't release ourselves and it would be 10, to bu- 10 bucks. So we'd uh, buy 5,000 of them and charge three bucks. And so, you know, we we just kept doing that. And then finally, like, all these bootlegs suck. So we did our own bootleg. And uh, uh, it was actually uh, you know, one of the better business deals uh Corey Russ from Touch and Go, who will probably never admit to knowing any of us uh now anymore, but he uh he wanted to be part of it and so we got the touch and go distribution but uh he only got a fifth of it and uh uh sixth of it. No, he got a fifth of it. I think there's only four of us that got it or yeah. I can't remember. But anyways he got he just got it as a member of the band. And uh, instead of getting like the labels half a uh, half, and then it was since it was a bootleg and limited edition ten thousand, which was not very limited, uh, it was also jacked up in price to the wholesalers. 
so it was pretty much a big killing and made up for all the bootlegs people put out from us. And we picked which ones they were. They were recorded on that machine. Most of them were from Atlanta and Athens. Um, and they were just from a two two channel DAT machine put by the uh, put by the board. And you say DAT, but I mean that's that's like eighty eight or something, right? I mean that that's like old yeah. school. Yeah, that's that not was, that's that not like 80. DAT ninety four. <laughs> no, actually, uh, yeah, was it DAT? Yeah, I think it was DAT. If it wasn't a DAT, it was a PCM modulator. But I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was an early DAT. Was what we did that one on. We uh, yeah, we had an early DAT machine and brought that out. And uh, yeah, Ricky was doing sound at the time, and yeah, but those sh- those shows seemed to sound the best, and we we played pretty good because uh, you know there's no overdubs and no uh, mix with the uh, channels, you know, uh, individual channels. So that yeah, one sounds great. Really good. Yeah, that was a good sound room, and uh, but yeah, that was kind of what it sounded like when we played. It's just I hear people now saying, "Oh man, I wish I could see you guys," and I'm like, "Well, you never will." Because uh, we'll never be like we were back then, but I guess some people actually like the music too. <laughs> it's but a great to snapshot. Me, uh, yeah, to me, it's uh, it was the whole the whole package was what made Butthole Surfers, and so. Uh, and there know, was that there uh, was that one song cool. on there that was uh, like is uh, the psychedelic jam. Like I don't think was that ever released anywhere else. Was I think that's that's yeah what I know. yeah. It's, it's a great it tune. Was, it was called. It was called PSY on uh, P.O.D., and that, that album was not supposed to be called P.O.D. It was supposed to be, we threw a sock at the keyboard, and those were the letters that came up, but Rough Trade gave it a pronunciation and a meaning. Uh, <laughs> but it did come out It did come out on their label, and uh, those guys actually had that song before I joined the band, and it was just a very scaled-down version of what it became, and we just kept playing it live, and it kept evolving and evolving, right. and Developing. finally... We yeah, and then we recorded it, and I think the double live version is pretty similar to the one on PO. But uh, PO is a is a is a cleaner cleaner version. I like that that song a lot. We one time played that when we played with Rocky Erickson. And oh wow! I believe it was him and the Explosions, and we played at the Ritz on Halloween. And uh, there's a lot of stories that go with that one. But uh, the part about psychedelic jam was we played 20 minutes. Uh, that one song for 20 minutes and played car wreck movies behind us. And all these people were in this nice, <laughs> nice old theater. Couldn't right. wait to celebrate with Rocky. And here we are showing them death while they're all on mushrooms <laughs> before Rocky comes out. <laughs> what, so, a, what an awesome bummer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it was definitely the Captain Come Down there, no doubt. <laughs> well, and that's, uh, it's interesting too, because I think that's, that's an era that it's hard to, again, you mentioned like me bootlegging the bootleg, but at the time, I didn't know that, that. I was just like, "Oh, this is double live, cool." Like you know, I just I didn't know from it. Like guys, like, "Hey, just check this out. You like it?" I'm like, "All right, cool, man." And oh uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's weird to think about, you know, and it's harder to pull off something of of that nature now, just because all the information is like immediately available, at, like you know, three clicks, which is kind of cool. You know, it's great, but yeah, it's a different world. I think actually, yeah, I think actually the uh, the whole setup with. Uh, with uh, the double live, I think King made that available for anyone for free 
anyways, I'm like, there's some butthole surfers thing. I, you know, I know this is going to sound awful as I pour myself a drink, uh, but is it wrong to be weirded out by the fans of your band? Because no. butthole surfers fans are fucking weird, man. Not when you're in the butthole surfers, man. That's I, I would agree with that assessment. <laughs> and I say that as so, a fan. <laughs> so anyways, this, my point being uh, with this is I had to just step back from uh, uh, being associated with the butthole. So I uh, kind of got back on the forum thing that they had. And uh, then some girl told me I was, that I met one time when I was 18. Didn't have sex with her, I promise. And uh, she... Uh, all of a sudden, started saying like she got a purse stolen in Thailand or something, and she started saying I was a psychic vampire and I was doing all this stuff to her. And oh, man. she said that when I played in New York with the butt, so she definitely wasn't going to come out to the show, and she definitely wasn't going to say hi, which meant to me that she was going to stab me. So uh, you know, <laughs> jeez, dude. Uh, so anyways, I, I decided it was uh, probably best off to. Uh, uh, just you know, there's a couple of guys that I know that uh, that I appreciate that I see them outside of that 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 state. But yeah, yeah, it's weird, man. Like I, I always get along with all honky fans, my other band. But there's something weird about there's a red flag when someone comes up and goes, "I love the butthole surfers." It's almost like a warning <laughs> sign, right? <laughs> yeah, red flag, red flag, red flag. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's but, uh, uh, yeah, and, and we barely talked about honky. Uh, we talked about you know tons of stuff, but uh, I mean, I think honky is kind of a very interesting. I mean, first of all, what a name, man! What a, what an attention getter. First of all, nice one word name, easy to remember. But wow, like first time I heard that, I was like, "Is a band called Honky? Holy crap, that's amazing!" Yeah, there's a yeah, there's a. It was a different time, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. That's yes, the thing is, we're uh, we're we're grandfathered in and. I'd say, you know, as much as people would like to find something to not like us for, uh, there's nothing at all. Uh, I mean, to look for us, it was just the name of stupid white people. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it got, the, you know, it got you know, I, I think it's, uh, people get offended by things now by, uh, like, if you say day, someone says night. If you say black, someone says white. And if you say honky, people get really offended because it makes them think of things they don't want to think about. Right. And we didn't think about that at the time, and there's no lyrics of ours that have anything to do with anything of the sort or anything people would say that we sing about chicks. But uh, the women that are mentioned in our songs always get the best of us. And uh, there's, you know, there's, there's some quality control that goes in with the output of that. And that's, I think, why we've been able to get around uh as being called honky as long as we have because we haven't uh we've we've shunned people that try and take us in for whatever reasons they want to take it in for everyone kind and, of reading uh, their own people, thing into it or something or whatever yeah or just or just want to cling to us because our name's honky and to them yeah. it means something else yeah but yeah you know, that was never never our intention and uh you know we're we're just uh you know you know playing southern grooves and uh goofy drunk white guys you know uh, they like to smoke weed, you know. But, but, <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I don't know. We now, I, you know, that was in '96, I think, when we started that. And, you know, so it's a, it was definitely a different time back then. You know, you, you didn't have to be ashamed about where you're from, and you know, you didn't have you know all these 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 uh, things that people uh, come up with now. But you know, I think if you know, it's, it's a different time now, and we all need to. Trying not to be 
victims and move on and all help each other to be yeah, try a little harder. The, the wonderful people that we can all be yeah. and help each other out, you know. But uh, hockey's not going anywhere. We've slowed down definitely because we're doing different stuff. But uh, but we you know we we like to get together and celebrate. And when we do celebrate with hockey, it's usually about drinking, not about anything uh, other other than that. Uh, that we we throw parties for. That's why I can't do it that often. I can't I can't I can't do hockey. <laughs> you you got to kind of call your shots on it, huh? Find all things Jeff Pinkus. On the old internets, keep on the grass is the name of the new record. It, it's a uh, that was very weird, man. It's it's there's nothing like someone getting interrupted mid story for some good live radio. Let me tell you, but uh, yeah, well, I'm I'm up at uh, Dale's uh, 500 acres up in the Hollywood Hills right now, so he doesn't get the best reception out here. Well, that's fine. We, I, I appreciate the time that you that, that you gave to me. Uh, it's been great talking to you, man. Uh, it's it's uh, talking to you too. It's 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 cool to like one of the things that I think is what I, is just the that tag I was gonna put on you talking about people reading stuff into honky, is that you know butthole surfers being so mysterious. I think there's sort of a a trend for folks to sort of read things into it, maybe with a little more nefarious intent when there's a a lack of kind of putting all out there in a very obvious manner. And yeah, I, I was just gonna say one of the things that I thought was kind of kind of cool is that. When I, uh, you know, when I met you, I was, I was like, wow, what an awesome, personable, <laughs> nice man. Like, just flat out. Thanks, bro. Likewise. And, uh, you know, I appreciate what you do. Uh, I've been I've been jamming. Uh, keep on the grass. Uh, is Bandcamp the best place to, for folks to get that for you? Bandcamp, I think, is really good for it. iTunes also has it, if that's easier. And uh, we also have it online. Uh, on uh, uh, for uh, on Bandcamp, you can get our actual CD as well out there, and you can uh, order it. I believe as a link from digitalkit.com. Nice. That's probably the best place to get it. With you can have, you have your options. <laughs> it's good to have, uh, or it's good if, to have options. Uh, if you're a dog lover, you have lots of options. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, appreciate what you do, dude. Uh, I guess the last thing we, I usually ask all folks to come on the show, uh, you know, why do you do what you do? Uh, because it's too late to do anything else. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, appreciate you coming. All right, brother. Uh, take care and, uh, see you a little bit down the line, huh? Uh, man, thanks for your time, bro. Appreciate it, man. There you go. Uh, take care, man. Bye-bye. There he goes. Mr. Jeff Pincus, what a cool guy. Well, it's good. We laughed, we cried, we learned a little something. A couple somethings. Is this thing on? A <laughs> thing or two. There's a independently wealthy Steve Albini coming up on the, <laughs> the end theme. He's going to love that. By the way, Steve Albini next week, and uh, I'm, I'm not kidding about that. So we got a... Yeah, you've been listening to... What, I'm forgetting how to close the show. I've only done this 100,000 times. The show's called Kona Neutron's Protonic Reversal. The show happens Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Mountain, 5 p.m. Pacific, RadioNope.com. Say yes to me. Got a bunch of stuff coming up. Bob Burt, the aforementioned Bob Burt. Coming up, Steve Albini. Coming up soon. 
Greg Madura, Maggie Vale, uh, all kinds of folks. Uh, stay tuned in. If you don't already, as we come to the close of our broadcast day, and you listen to podcasts, and you're listening to podcasts, so I, I know that you li- are listening. I can, it's part of the thing. Subscribe to the show. It, it helps new people find it, and it helps us uh, it helps us do what we do a little better. Signing off, Mr. and Mrs. America, and all the ships at sea. RadioNeutron.com for the archives. Anyone within it's the all there. Of my voice. It's all there for you, 100% of the time. <laughs> I've got... Live listeners, we got music on with music off coming up. I do not remember what <laughs> this week's show is, but uh, whatever it is, I'm sure it's fantastic. It's coming up next. Stay tuned. We do have fun here at Radio Nope. This microphone turns. Oh, money is the big idea. Okay, Great stuff coming up. Can you hear me now? Stay tuned. Stay subscribed. Out on Route 128, in the dark and lonely. Take it easy. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? to my top 10. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. There is no special girl! It's the, it's the end of radio. The last announcer plays the last record. The last what? Leaves the transmitter. 
circles the globe in search of a listener. Can you hear me now? It's the end of radio as we come to the close of our broadcast day. Radio.